Welcome back to But Why Podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that matter and ask the question, but why though? As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And Great Hera, we're talking about a 76-year-old superheroine and probably one of the most well-known female superheroes, Wonder Woman. Um... And as always, we're going to start off with a question. So I kind of thought a lot about it, and I think there are like four types of Wonder Woman. There's the comic book one, there's Linda Carter, there's Gal Gadot, and then there is the animated Wonder Woman from the animated DC universe, including the Justice League and then all the movies they made after it. So which one's your favorite, guys, and how much do you know about her? Um, I'll go ahead. Thank. Uh, my favorite would be the animated series one. I I guess I watched all the Justice League cartoons in the I guess the early two thousands, late nineties. Um, I know her as a founding member of the Justice League, which includes Green Lantern and Martian Manhunter, which they forget in the movies. Not Cyborg. Which Green Lantern? <laughs> John Stewart, obviously. Exactly. We don't care about Hal Jordan. But yes. <laughs> but that would be my favorite one. Out of Did you say Flash? Did you forget Flash? No, well, that was just understood. <laughs> it's implied. What about you, Adrian? Um, the fact that you didn't bring up uh, Courtney Lee Crosby's Spy Wonder Woman as one of the t- the ones to pick is blasphemous, and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> no, it's it's the anime. I mean, I was born in the early '90s. I grew up on animated series Wonder Woman. Like, she's the only Wonder Woman I really knew until um, I started getting into comics and stuff. So, it's definitely for, for her. It's like a it's like a Joker. I can't get past animated series Joker. Like, that's always yeah. going to be Joker to me. And that's the same way for Wonder Woman. Um, as great as Gal, G- Gal Gadot's portrayal was in the movies, it's still that animated one that comes back to I me. Mean, she's still doing the voice like today. Like, in the Injustices, she yeah, still does that voice because she's so iconic. So, and she, I believe she does not only the Justice League that we're familiar with, um, but she also does all, like, the extended, not extended universe, but, you know, all the animated films that they come out with. And stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 She, she is Wonder Woman. She's as quintessential as everybody else. Um, I'm actually in the exact same camp. So this, I know on the podcast before, I've talked about a lot about reading comics. Um, I did not read that much DC, and the wealth of my DC knowledge came from the animated universes for, I'd probably say, up until about I started my master's degree, and that's when I started reading more of the DC comics. Um, So, yeah, Wonder Woman in the show is mine, and I actually think the best fight scenes I've ever seen animated are in the animated movies that they have with Wonder Woman. The new ones or the older ones? Both of them. Okay. Like her, so I hate the lasso unless it's animated Wonder (laughs) Woman lasso. Because she does this thing where she like lassos them and then steps on it and they slam into the ground and it's the best move ever. So, yeah. Animated Wonder Woman all the way. Her lasso skills in the movie are pretty good. They're pretty good, but I was very mad that I didn't get a, a stomp on the lasso, like throw them down move, because that's my favorite. Gotcha. <laughs> you gotta use them powerful legs. But anyway, so uh, we'll jump right into a little bit of the origin. I'm not gonna do the long histories that I usually do, mostly because all of it can, uh, all of it can be wrapped up into the many but why those for Wonder Woman. Uh, so quick 
little origin. She appeared 76 years ago during the golden age of comics in All-Star Comics number 8, and the year was 1941. And she was written by uh, William Moulton Marston. Her name is, or her aliases are Diana Prince, or Diana Princess of the Mascara. So did she get her last name based on basically kind of how, I guess, Princess of Demistera, they just kind of called her Prince to make up a last name? No. Okay. So in the Golden Age, she gets Diana Prince because she actually ends up meeting a doppelganger nurse while Steve Trevor is unconscious in a hospital bed. And she pays the nurse to go live in South America and then takes the nurse's identity. And the nurse Wait, that's so messed up. Is <laughs> yes, and, and can we talk he, about how messed up that is for a second? Well, what's even more <laughs> Uproot your about? life because I'm Wonder Woman. Get out of here. Well, what's even what? more messed up is that one, Steve Trevor cannot fall in love with Diana Prince because he's too much in love with Wonder Woman, and two, the real Diana Prince actually does come back later in the comics asking for her life back and how much has ruined her. So, but she can't get it back. So. Yeah, that's where the name came from. All right, that sounds a little dark. I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> yeah, it was not expecting that either. That's messed up. Identity theft, just stole. It wasn't theft. She paid for it. Sure. She paid her hard-won actress money for it. That's how she got the money. to go to South America. A nurse. Nurses get paid, you know, pretty decently here in America. And she was like, "Hey, get out of here! I'm but... Wonder Woman." <laughs> but the cool thing was, is the nurse identity actually let her uh, go into the um, the different theaters in world war ii so because she was world war ii propaganda bail bonds were sold to many because of her this like seems like almost all the lot of comic book characters yes unfortunately yes i say because unfortunately we just because i'm not a big fan of the i guess the world war ii comics what they yeah. portray that's why i never really cared for the captain america either the first movie or some of his uh, i guess origin comics yeah no, I mean, and that makes sense. Uh, she was definitely definitely a product of her time. Um, I'll get into that in a little tiny bit. Uh, but she does have a storyline that changes depending on the writer. So initially, Wonder Woman was an Amazon. Um, and Wonder Woman was actually a term for the strongest of Amazon, not actually her title. And she wasn't given it. She wasn't given the title Wonder Woman by anybody but the Amazons themselves. Um, so that was a nice little tidbit. Um, so she goes from being an Amazon into being a demigod, pretty much, uh, in the New 52. So that's 2011. I believe it's Greg Rucka's run. He makes her a demigod. And over the course of the different ages, she gets more and more um, mythology-based. Um, so her name is also... It's the Roman version of the Greek god Artemis. Um, so she also has powers. Um, and those powers are that she has super strength, great hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, her weapons are the Lasso of Truth or the Lasso of Hephaestus, depending on which one you're looking at. And her bracers, which are very significant in uh, Amazonian culture of the Themyscira. Because in the origin, Themyscira was actually a place that was... All the women were slaves by men, pretty much. Well, I think what also <laughs> I saw, apparently, your tiara throw was ah. apparently a big thing as well. Oh. Like never... Sailor Moon? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently she throws her tiara around oh, a lot. From I, what I, was... I have not seen that in yeah. any of this stuff, but apparently that's what they said, especially for this, uh, 
the World War Two and the older versions of Wonder okay. Woman. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that actually, but that's actually pretty. I'd love to see that. Now I want to see like a Wonder Woman Sailor Moon hybrid where she does Moon Tiara magic. Only it's like a Wonder Woman equivalent to it. Well, if you look at the costume, <laughs> take away the skirt. I mean, you could get some close there. They spin around. One of them spins around. Well, they transform. <laughs> um. She can also fly, but she only flies from 1985 on. So she can't fly in anything else. Um, so she doesn't fly in like the Linda Carter, Linda Carter TV series or anything like that. Yeah, super get, jump. So how'd she get around? The invisible double jump. And double jumping. Double jump. Yeah, she hit A twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the invisible jet was something that was uh, made specifically for Linda Carter's run. Um, okay. And, actually, Linda Carter made up the spin, too. She was completely behind that idea. So the, mm -hmm. the spin transformation, that was all awesome Linda Carter's, Carter's thoughts. But, yeah. So, Works for me. <laughs> yeah. um, so going into a little bit of why she is important, we're going to jump right in here, and it's because she is a major feminist icon. And I say that because she was a feminist icon even when she was first created by Marston, um, which is really interesting because most comics at this time and most female characters at this time don't actually develop that, I guess, that feminist iconography um, until later iterations because the 40s was a really sexist time. It was, it sucked. But Marston was a world-renowned psychologist who was also married to uh, his wife, Elizabeth, who had two advanced degrees, one in law and one in psychology. Um, and he decided that he wanted to make a superhero that could make girls be proud to be girls. And he's known famously for this quote that he wrote after um, Wonder Woman had already been a series. And he wrote it in an academic journal. And it says, not even girls want to be girls. As long as our feminine archetype, archetype lacks force, strength, and power, not wanting to be girls. They don't want to be tender, submissive, peace-loving as good women are. Women's strong qualities become despised because of, their, because of their weakness. The obvious remedy is to create a feminine character with all the strength of Superman, plus all the allure of a good and beautiful woman. Um, so it's, that's, that's like feminism of the 40s. Would well, he ever <laughs> think, I guess, since he wrote that, that she would eventually become a dem demigod? I don't know, actually. Probably not. Because yeah, Superman I mean, I mean, I wasn't long... even, like, demigods. Or, he's not a demigod now, but he wasn't, like, invulnerable at that time, either. See, I'm not familiar with Superman that much. He was pretty much the same thing. He just, like, Superman pretty much jumped and was super strong. They didn't want to believe anybody could fly in the 40s. Pretty much. No fight. Not for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're grounded. Um... But, no, I actually think he'd be really happy that she's a demigod. But at the same time, I don't think he'd be happy with the type of personality that she has now. So, above all else, he wanted to make sure that Wonder Woman was still balanced and that she could be submissive and she could be kind and she would pretty much conquer with love versus her fist. So, she does fight a lot in the series and she's a great fighter, um, but it's not really stressed. And probably one of the big reasons a lot of people don't like the Golden Age Wonder Woman is because she's hogtied in almost every episode. Because those bracers I mentioned, as much as they're a sign uh, to never be dominated by a man again, 
the way to remove Wonder Woman's powers is to bind her bracers together. So that happens a lot. And it's a little weird. So is this the Wonder Woman? Because I guess I was reading that basically her bracers were used to contain, I guess, well, I guess that'd be almost her demigod powers. That'd be obviously later. Yeah, that's later. Yeah. But I mean, would that be, I guess, part of the thing with these bracers? No. So the bracers... Weren't they like originally to remind them of, you know, their past? Like, so like, when did it turn to that, that, that gave them their powers? Or like that, that would take away her powers when I thought like the symbolism was like, hey, you're never going to be chained up again because we're okay. yeah. Amazonian badass. Well, well, that happens in the Golden Age. Both those things happen concurrently. And the reason you can take away her powers with it is because when you bind them, you're bringing her back into bondage and she is now helpless. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. It's how you balance out a woman character. It still happens. I mean, but... at least she wasn't. You know, her weakness wasn't a rock. So I think I'll take that over weakness of being a rock. This is true. This is, yeah. This is very true. Um, all that being said, there are some problems with Wonder Woman, but she is inspired by the strong women that surrounded Marston. And Marston himself uh, was a real big proponent of the suffrage movement. And he was related to the two women who really fought um, for birth control in the 40s and 50s. Um, so he was a, he was a feminist, and I think one of the things that we can remember is that fem- feminism changes depending on the time period that it's in. So the strides that women can make now, you had to make them smaller in the 40s. That doesn't mean that some women weren't actively resisting, but in the 40s it was a lot of passivity, um, and that was idealized, but you were still able to disrupt the system, but very small wise it's it's kind of complicated like we can't have to remember in the 40s wonder woman was a feminist even though now we'd be like why are you so obsessed with steve trevor all i ever get told about the 40s it was the greatest time ever to live we need to go back to the 40s no (laughs) who tells me that and why are you interacting with those people because they (laughs) because they post on your facebook (laughs) Anyway, keep going. So, um, the other bad side to Wonder Woman is she is known for her fighting skills, and she does, uh, she, every hero she meets is really impressed with her, and she becomes an honorary member of the Justice Society of America because she's pretty much a Nazi fighting badass. But they make her a secretary. (laughs) And... That's all she is. And there were these little inserts in the comics that you could mail into DC so you could be an honorary member. And what they did was they really harped on the secretary angle. So you'd have like her face and like a notary stamp. And yeah, so Wonder Woman wasn't fighting crime. She was uh, processing all your uh, Justice Society of America entrance letters. So the Justice Society of America to be correct is not the same as the Justice League. No, it's not. It's all the B heroes. Well, I guess technically Jay Garrick. They're people we don't know anymore with the exception of the Flash and the Green Lantern who we know now as different people. I don't count that Green Lantern. Uh, No one counts that Green Lantern. It's something Gardner. I think it's like Greg Gardner or something is is that guy's name. And then Jay Garrick is the Flash at the time. And then you have the Atom. And those are the only three names you'll know. Um, I don't, I think like Sand something and Our Man. What about, it was like Starman. And then you have like Midnight. And there's people you don't care about. I think Spectre's in there. 
Yeah, it's a whole bunch of people who. Long story short, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Completely ridiculous. People would get their butts handed to them by Wonder Woman, pretty much. But she's their secretary. Um, So I digress. There were some problems there. Um, But Wonder Woman still continues to be a really strong feminist icon. And this is pretty much, and the reason I led with this is because this is the thread that's going to be going through all of the stuff we talk about today. Just because it was how she originated and she's been the character that everybody latched onto. Um, So in the 70s, Gloria Steinem actually writes a letter in Miss Magazine. Um, And Miss Magazine, if you don't know, um, was one of the first largely read publications for feminism in the 70s. Um, And she had a person on the cover in a Wonder Woman costume and she wrote pretty much a love, love letter to Wonder Woman. But also said, hey, stop making the focus of the story Steve Trevor. Wonder Woman means a lot to us. You need to make sure she keeps meaning a lot to us. And surprisingly, a year later, DC responded and pretty much gave Steinem and the women who were reading Wonder Woman what they wanted. They gave, they gave them her strong, the strong character back. Um, uh, and this is also one of the most important parts because she remains a symbol even today because last year in uh india in 2016 the un actually named her an art an honorary ambassador for the empowerment of women and girls and it was attended by uh, linda carter gal gadot and um the undersecretary general for communications and public information christina gallic <laughs> <laughs> so she's an honorary secretary. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> um so she was seen to be an inspiration to all women and girls because not only was she strong physically and a superhero, but she was also really smart. Um but on top of that there was controversy because the UN isn't just made up of countries where skin can be shown. And not only that, some uh, modern-day feminists weren't okay with the um, the images that they chose because Wonder Woman, like any female character, is drawn to the male gaze. Um, if you're actually looking at the screen right now, you can see the comic book. Wonder Woman has significantly larger breasts than the other ones. And that is done because they're writing for a young male audience. And so a lot of people weren't okay with her, with um, having somebody who is overly sexualized in a lot of her media be the spokesperson to say, hey, girls, be empowered. That's neither here nor there because. So this, I guess, controversy and everything was this spurred upon by, I guess, men or women for the Um, most part? So in the countries that aren't that really push modesty, it was mostly men, but there was a large fraction. There was a large faction of women who weren't okay with the over the over sexualized versions of Wonder Woman being paraded. Around. Are there any women in the United Nations? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Every picture I've ever seen, I don't. I, it's like the finding majority, Waldo. Well, the majority of them are men, like any of our freaking systems of government. I just wanted to ask. I know every picture I've ever seen, it's like playing fine wall. Yeah. No, I know. Actually, um, as much as I don't like Nikki Haley, she is our UN ambassador. Okay. So we actually have a woman in the UN. Um, but there, there are women in the UN. Um, there are other countries that have female leaders as well. Okay. Um, 
I just want to see where the backlash was coming from, whether it was both sides or just one dominantly. So for the women, it was, we don't need to tell our girls to be overly sexualized or you have to do this to get attention and empowerment, which is valid. But at the same time, like, however much skin you're showing does not dictate how empowered or disempowered you are. I've talked about that in the Lara Croft episode, episode one, go listen to it. Um, and then the other side was a lot of uh, male dominated countries and uh, countries that really had strict modesty codes. Um, and it's just the, the, the wording that was used was that it was culturally insensitive to countries and people who view the female body as something that should be covered um, or at the very least not exposed in, uh, you know, star spangled banner underwear and bare arms. <laughs> And large breasts. So that was that. Um, so she's no longer um, the the honorary ambassador, but she still is in everybody's hearts. And the moral here is that people, a lot of people actually did see her as a strong empowerment fi- uh, figure for um, young women. And I think she still is. And I think Gal Gadot's movie is doing that a lot. And we're going to talk about the Gal Gadot movie later, but since we're in this section, I kind of bring it up. I was actually really against Gal Gadot getting casted as Wonder Woman. Um, That's an understatement. I was very mad. Very, very Completely mad. against. Like, <laughs> we had many conversations about it. I raged many times um, because I thought they missed a chance at body diversity, and I wanted them to actually be able to choose a female who visibly looked strong in a way that wasn't hyper feminine. Um, that being said, I saw this image and it's on our Instagram. Um, you can go check it out at, but why though PC and it's of this little girl in a wonder woman costume looking up at the justice league banner with wonder woman right there. And I was kind of like, you know what? I got to stop hating on Gal. And this was before I saw the movie. Like, I have to stop hating on Gal Gadot because we really need her. And I think we need to be inspired. And I think little girls deserve to be inspired. So even though I don't like the, or didn't like the casting, I'm still kind of iffy because I saw how badass a lot of the other Amazons were. I think that the main point is that she's a feminist icon. And I think she's a feminist icon for every generation because um, she's been around for so long. So... Yeah, that happened. We know you have plenty to say about that, but let's save it for a recap. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. (laughs) Um, But uh, anyway, so uh, in the 70s, actually, is when we get her uh, famous Wonder Woman logo. So that is with the the two W's on top of each other. Before that, you got the eagle. um, And that was pretty much what was around forever. And then they change it. Um, I don't really, in all honesty, I don't know too much about the comics, so I don't want to go, go into territory that I can't give you absolute fact on. Um, but I'm pretty sure Matt's, uh, on the other side of the wormhole series will go into more of it. Um, so in the new 52, uh, she changes completely from anybody who would be considered a secretary and she ends up. Uh, being given a sword and shield, a complete demigod, and she was born of a natural birth between Hippolyta and Zeus. Um, 
And actually, I jumped ahead of myself. At the start of the modern age, George Perez actually made her an emissary and ambassador of the mascara to the U.S. Um, so you see Wonder Woman's importance in public roles uh, really, I guess, get get bigger over the course of her tenure. And she becomes not only the princess of the mascara, but somebody who is an ambassador in kind of a, a United Nations capacity. <laughs> It seems DC has a lot of ambassadors, it seems like. I, know, yeah. I mean, I know Marvel has probably a little bit, but it seems like DC seems like every superhero ends up being an ambassador for some place between Aquaman, Wonder Woman, I think. Uh, yeah. One of the, I can't even think who they called. In the sky. <laughs> in the sky? Yeah. Skyman. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> don't know if Hot Girl, I guess, but they, depending on her origins, where they came from a different planet. Well, she always comes from a different planet, but they try to they... take over the world. Yeah, but I think at first she was Thanagarians, like the... that's yes. what they're called. Well, she was a, I thought she was an ambassador at first before she became before... She was a double agent, so she was an in... she was an ambassador and then they try to kill everybody. Well, I knew that, <laughs> but I meant like at first. Yeah. No, they they definitely have more ambassadors than um than Marvel, I would say, but I also think they have a lot of superhero teams that are built on being ambassadors, and they deal more with, like, this public relations issues, like, the Justice League of America is usually overwatched by the U.S. president, and they're all on watch lists because you have to watch out for superheroes, and, like, there's a lot of interplay between the government and the, um... There's just, just more aliens. There's more, like, otherworldly people in D.C., so like, yeah, how are you going to be an ambassador if you're like Iron Man? Like you're already American. Yeah, Lex and, and you have Lex Luthor running for president. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to go off on ambassadors. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so um, coming off of uh, focusing on the feminism and going into more of it. We're actually going to talk about Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, which debuted in 1975. So she was a Latina Wonder Woman, and she predates the Bionic Woman, and she's pretty much seen as getting everything started for the female-led, um, the female-led TV show. Um, so Linda Carter's credited with that, and we actually, like we said, we really love the animated Wonder Woman. So we decided the best people to talk about Linda Carter was actually our moms. Um, so first, I'm going to read a couple of the comments from Facebook because we couldn't get audio clips for all of them. Um, but um, Caroline Hobbs, who is our uh, editor, Asa's mom, um, mom, we call her mom. She's our podcast mom and our arc life mom. Um, she, <laughs> she says that, quote, I love the series. Because there were very few shows that had women as a lead and in an empowering position like Wonder Woman or Charlie's Angels. Linda Carter's Wonder Woman was not only stunningly beautiful, but she was also strong and smart. And she was she was the one the men were looking to help looking to for help. She wasn't a shrinking violet. She was tough and feminine and an all around badass. <laughs> and then uh so before we do our episodes, we actually like to reach out to the fans. And I guess these are our fan boat widows. And one of my really good friends from high school, uh, Jamel Floyd, shout out to you because you went to prom with me um, when I got dumped. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. 
<laughs> his Moving mom, on. <laughs> his mom actually cosplayed Wonder Woman. He made her a, a, a Wonder Woman cosplay, and she cosplayed her. And she says Wonder Woman means that women are strong, and not necessarily just physical, uh, in a physical sense. Strong-minded, strong-willed, strong hearts. We are beautiful, brave, and smart. Um, and that was Judy. And thank you so much for sending that in. And now you're going to get to hear, I believe, first is Adrian's mom. Uh, do you want to introduce her? Yeah. So my mom, man, all right. Not going to get emotional. Uh, my mom's awesome. Like, she really is my modern-day Wonder Woman. Um she, I mean, she, like, to shorten it, like, she went from being a teenage mother, had me at 16, like, I could, could have potentially ruined her life by, you know, being around, but now she's a, you know, regional manager, the only way she'd go higher if she go, like, if she moves to Chicago to go be in their corporate office, so she's, like, at the highest position she can be, um, she just graduated her third kid from high school, all of us being college-bound, so she went from a teenage mom to being super successful in the Navy, uh, can work on my air conditioner better than I can. You know, she's an author now. You know, she she's so supportive of me in the podcast itself. Like she shouted us out in her her new book, um, "Dying to Be Reborn," and she gave us like a little snippet, like specifically for but why the podcast. Like we have our own page in there just because she supports the podcast as much. She's awesome. I can talk forever about her. I love her so much. I'm a mama's boy for sure. And um, in her clip, she talks about it. like she, you know, she's Linda Carter, like. She's awesome. So we're going to listen. Um, do you want to give your mom's name? Uh, yeah. Tiffany Reese. She <laughs> shares stuff. She's awesome. <laughs> okay. So we're going to let Tiffany uh, tell us a little bit what Linda Carter meant for her. So what can I say about Wonder Woman? By the time I started watching her, it was being reran in syndication. And the one thing that stuck out for me when watching Wonder Woman was how Diana never took credit for the things that she did. She was very humble that way. In almost every episode, there was some point where Diana would spin and morph into Wonder Woman, save the day, and turn back into Diana before anyone suspected anything. And I did not realize it at the time, but as women, we do that all the time. We work silently behind the scenes, making sure everything is in order, and then we go back to our everyday routine because that is what we do. We don't need the accolades. Looking back, strong female characters, especially Wonder Woman, were definitely role models to girls of that generation. She was strong, intelligent, independent, cunning, a professional, and a badass. In the TV show, there was no real indication she wasn't supposed to be on the same level as the men in the show. Her opinion was always sought out and respected, and when she needed advice, she most often sought out input from her mother. And maybe that was de by design because they were Amazon women, but I think it sent a very strong message to young girls, especially me. And you know, I didn't know, and I still don't believe, that women are supposed to be the weaker sex. I believe we as women are strong and empowered, but we're only as strong and empowered as we believe we are. Wonder Woman knew she was strong and empowered. The older women model behavior for younger girls. 
and Wonder Woman did that for me, as did my grandmother, who was a captain in the army. Diana slash Wonder Woman just was a strong, confident, independent woman. And that is what I saw and watched. So I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be anything other than that when I grew up. And now that I'm grown up, I am also a strong, confident, and independent woman. Thanks, Bob. Love you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Tiffany, for giving us your input. Um, I So we'll talk about this after we're done with the mom shares, because um, I kind of want to let them speak for themselves and we can react. Um, but I guess, so my mom, uh, Sylvia Moore, uh, she was actually a single mother for the first the first four year, years of my life. Um, she's really strong. She's really awesome, and I'm just gonna let her talk about it because my mom, I love you. So yeah. So okay. Well, growing up as a Latina in the '60s and '70s, the TV shows uh, were very limited um, in what roles the women played. Uh, most of them were. Uh, I felt subservient, submissive to to men. Uh, they were secondary class citizens. They were, you know, they had roles as domestics, mothers, wives. Um, but Wonder Woman was different. You know, Linda Carter, here she was, a Latina, you know, female in a lead role. Um, she was strong, you know, independent, and, you know, was cleaning up crime. And... Growing up, I didn't see much of that. The only strong role I had was my mother, and the, the closest I got to somebody like my mother uh, was Wonder Woman. And so that opened up doors for me. Um, when I went off to college, I majored in law enforcement. I wanted to be like Wonder Woman. I wanted to clean up crime. I wanted, you know, um, to save the world. Um, and that, in turn, when I did eventually become a mother and, you know, was raising my daughter that also helped me shape her life. You know, I wanted her to be independent. I wanted her to be strong. You know, I wanted her to be, um, like Wonder Woman. I wanted her to be her own woman, her own person. Um, so I was real selective on, um, the things I exposed her to. I tried not to overexpose her to stereotype uh, roles or, you know, books, toys, you know, clothing. I wanted her to be a free thinker. So um, I owe a lot of that to Linda Carter and Wonder Woman. Yeah, so I, I think our moms kind of say it really, really well. Um, that, that, that for me kind of shows the importance of representation. And that's one thing that Wonder Woman has been since the 40s. Um, I mean, I, what do you get? I guess, Matt, do you want to, do you want to jump in? Um, my mom's kind of in Afghanistan in a shelter getting bombed, so we were unable to get a clip. So, that's why I don't have one. <laughs> I just want to throw it in there, I guess. <laughs> I also just want to point out that all of our moms are, are really supportive of what we do, um, and we want to thank you guys for, uh, you know, being our Wonder Woman. Um, and I think listening to what, what, you know, the comments we got, what uh, my mom and Adrian's mom said, 
this is what you needed in the 70s. And I actually talked to my mom for like an hour and a half about Wonder Woman. And one of the things that she pointed out was that at this time, so in 1975, you have the women's lib movement and you have you have people pushing to get the ERA, which is the Equal Rights Amendment, passed. And that doesn't pass. Like an amendment that said that women had women's right, that women had equal rights, did not pass. <laughs> like, kind of let that sink in. And it still has not. Um... And so for the girls of that generation, that meant a lot. Seeing her like that, seeing her being assertive and strong at a time when doing that because of vocal women like Gloria Steinem not taking anything from people who saw her as less than, a lot of the times women were vilified for being those things. And having Linda Carter on screen and having her be, and this is, as much as it's a critique to have one woman be hyper feminine, it is something that says you can be really feminine and you can also be really strong. And they don't, you ha don't have to choose one or the other. Just because you're assertive doesn't mean you're cold. You can be tender too. Uh, you can be aggressive, but you can still be loving. And I think that that, that was really big for them to hear, um, you know, listening to them explain all this. And then one of the things that uh, Linda Carter actually told Patty Jenkins, who is the director of the Wonder Woman movie, um, was that I never stopped playing Diana even when I started playing Wonder Woman. And that's important because the character wasn't separate from who she was in and out of costume. Diana was always strong and Wonder Woman was always kind. And I think that that's 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 kind of big, you know, for a little girl to see. Um, yeah, I think the best part, um, uh, I mean, just listening to my mom talk about it, because my mom wasn't born until 76. So, like, when she's watching this, like, it's been over for, you know, I, I, I guess maybe almost 10 years. I, I don't know yeah, when she watched it. Yeah. yeah, and she still got something out of it, even though it had been out of, you know, like she said, she, she watched the reruns of it. So even transcended, you know generation and time like it still affected people you know 10 years down the road yeah and like one of the things too i remember because like i'm really into comics if you're watching this there are comics behind me right now um every time i talked about a superhero my mom always brought up wonder woman like why aren't you reading wonder woman you should watch Wonder Woman. Oh, I love Wonder Woman. And so she tried really, really hard to get me to read the Wonder Woman comics. Um, and, you know, really, and I didn't, I just wasn't interested in, in DC. And at this point, like the majority of my knowledge I've gotten probably doing the research for her for this episode of the podcast, but also just the few that I have read, like I want to read more and I'm kind of kicking myself for not reading more. Um, so, I mean, there's probably more we could say about Linda Carter. Like, um, the like, I think there are two fun facts. The first was that Linda Carter um, did a helicopter stunt all by herself. Um, <laughs> they wanted her to use a stunt double, and she was like, nah, I'm Wonder Woman. I got this. And the studio was, like, really mad at her. Um, but she was doing <laughs> her own stunts when other people weren't. Um, and then obviously she came up with the spin herself and she actually influenced a lot of the direction that Wonder Woman went. Um, so she had a lot of input on the character which she, that she was playing and she was really cognizant that young girls were going to watch her. And she wanted to make sure that if something, you know, something sexist got written in the show, 
she was gonna not let that stand, you know? Um, yeah, so wasn't she, like, Miss America? Like, a couple years before she filmed? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she she competed, like, Miss uh, World, like, like Miss, Miss was, like, the world pet. Yeah, whatever, whatever it was at the time. <laughs> so, like, she was definitely the full package of, like, beauty, and then I'm gonna go do a helicopter stunt. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of like what we see, I guess, with the, the general theme between all the quotes you read and the clips we listen to. The yeah. general theme of just strong. Get and a woman who can do both. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But beauty isn't a requirement. Young girls listening to this podcast right now. I don't know if you are, but. <laughs> um, I, I, think, I think now that I'm thinking about it, like all of the women in my family are strong, you know, strong women and my mom being, you know, other than Stefani, like the most important woman in my life. And I think just knowing how strong my mom is based off like her watching Wonder Woman and Xena, that made me want a strong and feisty Latina. (laughs) I think that's how I was. So thanks Linda Carter for inspiring my mom to be strong and independent. Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually when, so, like, my mom kind of ended that saying that she didn't want me to have any stereotypes. Um, so, my mom tells a story, and if you get her started on it, she'll go, she'll, like, drag it out for, like, 45 minutes. Matt's heard it, like, 10 times. Um, <laughs> but it's, it show my first Christmas, my grandma wanted to get me a kitchen set. Um, it's my first or second Christmas. And my grandma wanted to get me a kitchen set, and my mom was like, I'm not going to do that. Because then she's going to be thinking that all she can do is stay in the home. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with homemakers. Like, homemakers, unsung heroes. But my mom, my grandma had seven kids. Um, she was pregnant more times than that. But she had she had seven kids that, that survived. And she was just at home. And my mom also said that what she saw in my grandma was my grandma was really subservient to my grandpa. That was just the culture of the time that that's how it was, especially in, in, in Mexican culture. There's a lot of that. Um, but what my mom said was when she saw Linda Carter do her spin and transform, she said that she saw her, her mom do that. And, you know, only she didn't spin around, you know? Um, but, she was assertive enough to to be the hero when she needed to and to stand you know my my grandma as much as she was subservient and i use that word i guess kind of loosely for my grandpa um he like she he respected her you know he wasn't like the machismo guy who you know did whatever he wanted and disrespected her no she was a quiet strong and my mom got to see that. And my grandma is probably the strongest, you know, you know, she's passed now, but anyway, uh, so all that being said, and now I'm turning to my mom and making this a 45 minute story. Um, my mom also <laughs> bought me a football, um, because she wanted me to have both the, she wanted me to have both gendered option of toys. Cause she refused to let me, uh, be what somebody else thought I was going to be and do that. Um, I feel like our episode on Wonder Woman turned into Wonder Moms. Yeah, moms are great. They deserve <laughs> the praise. Um, but no, it was just because I have no reference for Linda Carter. I haven't seen a single episode, and I really wanted her moms to kind of like talk about it. So no, I think I think it works out great. I yeah. think um, we weren't born have, then. Yeah, we yeah. weren't born then. My mom was even born then, so I think that just shows like how important it is. My mom was. That's, yeah, so it gives you two perspectives on like it wasn't just like a flash in the pan kind of thing like she was legit important for 
multiple generations. Yeah, and she inspires all the other female-led shows. Like, without Linda Carter, you don't end up with a Xena. You don't end up with a Buffy. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't happen. You know, and it's kind of how Gal Gadot with this movie, it's it's successful. And now I'm hoping we're going to get more female-led superhero movies because people need proof that you can make money off of it, Um, unfortunately. So, moving into another but why, though. Um, Bi-visibility. And the reason this is important is that bisexual characters in media, so comic books, TV, movies, they tend to be highly sexualized um, and used as kind of, like, set set pieces. They don't really mean much. Um, and it's been confirmed, so this is canon, that Wonder Woman is, uh, is bisexual. And, I mean, this is kind of a culmination of a whole bunch of, like, same-sex illusions that happened from the 40s to today. And it's kind of a realization of that, that... Um, Wonder Woman kisses Harley Quinn in the New 52. It's it's a one-off, uh, kind of like a special issue where they're in London and like fighting bad guys together. Um, and then in, two, in 2015, she officiates a same-sex wedding. And um, in the 40s, she was actually seen or characterized by a lot of people as being the lesbian character counterpart to Batman because a lot of the people thought that Batman, uh, that Batman was gay. Um, so they saw each other as that, which that has a lot of negative connotations as well, but we're talking about the positives. Um, and so DC actually downplays a lot of her sexuality. Like they leave it there and it kind of hangs in the air and they mess with it when they want to make a joke um, until Grey Grucka um, confirms it. Um, and then DC kind of jumps, uh, jumps on board and they actually have her um, saying that she loves people for who they are, um, not their gender, and that she actually has the being born in Themyscira. She has the privilege of not being constrained by um, by gender roles. She has the she has the privilege of not being constrained by gender roles or by heteronormativity. And for her, it's not weird to love a man, and it's not weird to love a woman. It is it is weird to think that it's weird to love somebody. Um, and so in 2016, after Greg Greca confirms that she's bisexual, there was a ton of backlash, um, as happens when any character comes out. Um, but he stuck with it. He didn't waver. And then uh, Gal Gadot at this point is promoting the Wonder Woman movie. And they asked her what she thought. And she was really happy with it. She said that this is this is really great. Um, please, please, please. <laughs> Get some Harley Quinn action. Uh, no. It, it's canon. New it's 52. Not, no, it, 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 it could happen. Damn. It's not It's not canon. You can bring it back. No. That would be her being a set piece to please male audiences. Not it actually being a component of her identity. Hey, she could love Harley Quinn. You don't know that. What if they no. do a really compelling storyline? No. I just want to know... And this whole thing, when did Harley Quinn decide she was going to be nice and work with Wonder Woman? Or why? I have not read the comic, and I didn't read too much into it to tell you. Because that really just seems uh, the combination, I guess, when I saw that. was Probably probably done really well. It's probably a very compelling storyline that they could bring to life. Well, no, no. And it's written by Grant Morrison, who's actually a really good comic book writer. But 
And, and, and yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so when you hear Wonder Woman's sexuality being talked about, um, a lot of the time she's expressed as being queer instead of bisexual. And the reason uh, queer is the word that's chosen is it's a word that was originally derogatory and it's been taken back. And it's used to make a political statement, but also focus on um, a type of expression of the self that isn't um, isn't structured into male or female or um, heterosexual or homosexual. It's it's more like just a state of being. Um, and if I got that wrong, Twitter, please correct me. Um, I think I got it right. Um, and it's, it's meant to encompass both gender expression, identity, and sexual orientation. So that's how she's usually, usually described among the fandom is as queer. Um, but it's also important because there are very, 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 very few bi characters in any canon of any fandom ever. So that's why she's important. Um, that's one of the but why those. Um, and... One of the last but why those I'm actually really surprised at because I didn't know, but she's heralded as being a pacifist icon um, originally. And so she's been uh, credited for being the deflector and not the violent hero. And um, it was like her, the Marston's original stuff was more focused on her being a scientist and a nurse and healing people. And some say that She's smarter, so she's not going to use violence. And because she was made to encourage little girls to have strong, moral, peaceful problem solvers, um, it was the opposite of the violence that was shown in, you know, Batman or Superman or the comics that young boys are reading. Um, and in my opinion, that's sexist as hell because... I don't think that we should be relegated to being peaceful and loving and caring. If we want to throw it down, we can throw it down. And that's what animated series Wonder Woman gives me. Um, the only thing I can say about that, though, is being on... I must misspell this. Thermos. Themyscira. Themyscira. There we go. Can't pronounce words. <laughs> um, at least from everything I knew about that, they always want to remain isolated. And they yes. never wanted to actually get involved. Yes. And now that's not necessarily being a pacifist, but it was like, even though they trained, it was like, we didn't want to go to fight. We're not, we don't want to help you. We don't want to go to man's world. We want to stay yeah. here and be left alone. Yeah, no, and that's very true. But the thing is, is Wonder Woman, in every storyline, she's the one that isn't okay with doing that. Like, she wants to get involved. Right. Um, but I just see from like, if you're talking about like, I guess not necessarily, I know it's not quite pacifist, but I guess just like the It's like whole, an isolationist thing. Like you don't yeah. want to get involved in other people's problems. Yeah. And so like, I guess even the island, her parents, or I guess her mother, mother at the time, and then I guess everybody else on the island, they just don't want to be involved. Yeah. And I mean, that may not be direct pacifism, but even isolation yeah. of just, we're going to do nothing or help. Yeah. Well, I think the, but that's like, so that's not the argument that people are making. The okay. argument that people are making is that Wonder Woman as a character chooses to disarm the bad guy as opposed to kill the bad guy. And the reason people are mad with current iterations of Wonder Woman is because she kills the bad guys and she doesn't care. She is a moral compass and she's going to abide by good. Actually, in the animated series, you get that line where she's like, my enemies stay dead. Or, like, not stay dead, but my enemies don't come back. And she's throwing shade at Superman because Superman doesn't kill and Superman 
is constantly being hounded by the same enemies that but he was fighting. I guess it's episodes. funny when you bring that up because Superman doesn't kill. Batman's whole thing is pretty much I don't kill. But yet you just portrayed that. That's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, yeah. a lot of these characters don't kill anybody. I mean, if you don't want to kill anybody, I don't think that's like a bad idea. It's not like she's like, oh, no, we're not going to fight. I mean, just because you don't kill somebody doesn't make you like an extreme pacifist. If she was an extreme pacifist, she would have stayed on Themyscira. Yeah. yeah. Like Matt said. Well, so, but the thing is, is, and that's why I don't think this argument holds up. The argument is that she is a pacifist, and because she chooses to not maim her people and just knock them unconscious, and she deflects things, that makes her different from the other heroes, and that makes her a pacifist icon. And the reason I say that it's sexist is because, like you said, Superman doesn't kill, he's not being called a pacifist. Batman doesn't kill in most storylines, he's not being called a pacifist, but... He doesn't get called pacifist, but he does get run into some problems. No, he runs into some problems, but what I'm saying is she's a female character, and in all the characterization, she says, they say because she's feminine, she's smarter and doesn't use violence, and she's going to think her problems out, and so she's she's the pacifist character that we all want our women to be, whereas I don't want that. I want Xena in my Wonder Woman. In this argument, I know this might be a little off, is she an ambassador? What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> Adrian's kind of laughing, looking at me. I'm just kind of wondering, because mo- I guess at least when I think of an ambassador, they're going to try to have more of a pacifist type of way of doing things. So in George Bettis's run, she's the uh, she's an ambassador. Um, so she's not always an ambassador. And this is, I think the biggest thing was Grant Morris using this to talk about the Wonder Woman movie. And I know a lot of the time they talk about a New 52 Wonder Woman, because New 52 Wonder Woman has a sword and the shield. Whereas the bracers deflect and the lasso incapacitates versus a sword that is very much made to maim and kill things. Okay. Um, so Morrison actually said that um, Marston's vision was healing in science and uh, Grant Morrison pretty much thought that Marston would be really, really against the way Wonder Woman is portrayed now. And I think, personally, um, being feminist has changed and we're not limited to only being passive and using passive resistance. I think that at the time that Marston was talking, having Diana be educated was important because that was a time when women were only going to school to get married. They weren't actually using their the education that they were given. Um, but now I think the fact that women can be like Xena or Buffy and fight back and we don't have to be okay with situations that we're uncomfortable with and that's actually pretty large like it's this idea of not having to remain passive or silent about things but be really overt about it like if somebody cat calls you in a street it's no longer just deal with it it's say something back um and that's that's a complete shift in that's a complete shift away from the way wonder Woman was fighting before okay she doesn't kill people anymore i mean that's fine no she none of those dudes kill now. anybody no, she kills. Oh, people she kills now. people again. That's, that's, that's yeah, the New Fifty Two. She will kill a lot of people. No, in she 52. kills people. Now. In New Fifty Two, she kills a lot of people. So, how is she a passive icon now? If she doesn't kill no, people no, anymore, she's been a passive icon, and people are mad that she's not a passive pacifist icon anymore. I get confused by a lot of these because it seems like no matter what you do, everybody just gets mad, Pretty and I guess much. that's why mm-hmm. some of these I get like, yeah. I guess backwards. Or- well, but a lot of the time, too, the majority of the people that are mad that she's not a pacifist icon anymore are, are people like Grant Morrison and tend to be men. <laughs> um, 
at least from the stuff that I read. Granted, a lot of the Gal Gadot, the Gal Gadot uh, Wonder Woman things, and it's actually one of the reasons I don't like reading Feminist Frequency as much as I love Feminist Frequency, is they were really mad that Wonder Woman just completely wrecked everybody. Um, She's so, a demigod. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. I mean... Now she's not a pacifist, and that's why people aren't okay, because she's been heralded as a pacifist icon up until this point. Or I guess the New 52 run, which is 2011 on. So. Does that any of that make sense? <laughs> I don't know. I'll, anything I've ever watched Wonder Woman in, I've never thought, oh, yeah, she's a pacifist icon. Well, so it sounds exactly. like Grant Morrison is just upset for no reason. Exactly. Because his, his, like, his Wonder Woman didn't take or something. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, Justice League Wonder Woman in the Bruce Timm series that we all said was our reason for pretty much loving her. Uh, she, 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 she gets down. <laughs> Flashpoint Wonder Woman oh, literally kills, yeah. like, a whole bunch of dudes with her lasso. It's messed up. It's messed up. I think a lot of people kill a lot of people in Flashpoint, though. This is also true. Because you have Thomas Wayne. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it doesn't bother like, yeah. Either way, it doesn't bother me. As long as she's still, you know, messing people up. If she doesn't kill them, oh, I mean, okay, that's fine. Like, it's not going to bother me. But as long as she's messing people up, I don't care what she does at the end. As long as she's still fighting and being badass. That's all I care about. Well, like, my whole, like, I'm not, like, I don't care if she kills people either. What I care about is people saying that she shouldn't use violence. And I'm like, no, she's capable of it. And if somebody's hitting her, she's not going to be like, no, stop. Um, she's stop actually going to make that, right? <laughs> No, she's actually going to make them stop. Um, and I don't believe in pass being a pacifist in anything. So, um, but yeah. And I think this, I mean, it kind of brings us into the Justice League animated system, uh, series and the animated universe because that's actually been defined as the Wonder Woman of the current generation for the most part. And when they say current generation, they pretty much mean like 85 to probably when you were making memories of the Justice League animated series. Um, and it, it's pretty much quintessential Wonder Woman. It's all on Netflix, so you can watch that. Um, and I think this brings us into Wonder Woman in the DCEU. And we're not going to spoil the movie or talk about the movie too much. We're just going to talk a little bit about the stuff that's been going on around the movie. Um, that's because if you stay uh, stay with us, we will be recording our Wonder Woman review um, sh in a short amount of time when we're done with this. Um, so... One of the most important things about the Wonder Woman uh, movie itself, it is that it is the first successful female superhero movie. And um, not only that, it is the first superhero movie with a female director. And it made the most money out of any female directed movie ever. Quick question, though. I keep seeing first female director. What did Then what did Zack Snyder do? Zack Snyder's not a female. I, I know he's not. I'm asking <laughs> what he did for this movie then. Oh, he wrote it. Okay. That's what I was asking. No, he was a writer. Okay, so he was a writer then. I'm yes. Thinking. Okay, that's what I was making sure that he... I didn't think he was a director, but I was like, no. I couldn't, wasn't quite sure if he was a writer. And I know, okay. No, he was a writer. She directed it. Okay, that, that, that's fine. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that was clarified because okay, yeah. he he's the one that usually always been come up for the most part. And so yeah. I was trying to clear, make sure that was clarified. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And, and she... The reason that you can tell... 
and I think a lot of female audiences really love the movie, is because you have the first female-directed superhero fighting and doing battle shots, it's not a shot panning to the butt like Scarlett Johansson and moving up her as she slowly walks. Um, it's it's all about her not hey, hey, hey. candy. Hey. Skojo did a lot for female superheroes. She did. She did, but it was a lot of butt shots, and that's problematic. Hey, she did her. She did her part. <laughs> Once again, butt shots. Anyway, who's not Catwoman? Catwoman could have been Catwoman. Canon, so we're just not going to talk about that. Or Elektra, or the Supergirl movie. Oh, that movie's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So all of those came before. Um, and those are all directed by men, I believe, too. Um, so this is the first time you get a female superhero actually being told from the female perspective. And we'll talk about the movie when we get there. And I have to keep stopping myself because there's so much I want to say. Um, I'll give down the breakdown yes. the numbers, break down the movie, boom, boom, broad spent, wrap it up, let's go. Okay, so the movie from a numbers standpoint, it made $100.5 million opening weekend here in the States, and internationally it grossed $223 million. Uh, it outperformed Thor 1 and 2, Cap 1 and 2, Doctor Strange, and Iron Man if you don't take into account inflation. If you don't t- I, I'm sorry, I just don't like the argument with Iron Man because it's a t- 10 years ago and it's a totally different working frame. It was like the first movie. Without Iron Man, we don't even get a Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. Without so, Iron Man, you don't get any that, that, That's the only thing I've seen that argument brought up a lot. Like, oh, it did so much better than Iron Man. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> Inflation's a thing. Yeah. Between inflation, the fact Iron Man 3 made, like, almost $50 million more million than Iron Man 1. Yeah. Okay, so we'll And Batman v Superman did way better than any of these, and it was terrible, so... Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's well, yeah. okay. That's why the... Well, yeah, the, and that's yeah. why I'm going to bring it into the Rotten Tomatoes area. Um, yeah. Because Wonder Woman outperforms... Uh, pretty much every single DCEU movie on both the critic scale and the fan scale, with the exception of The Dark Knight. Um, The Dark Knight comes in one point above at 94%, Wonder Woman standing strong at 93%, and Iron Man is also the only other movie to beat her. She also beats out all the other uh, Marvel movies as well. Um, And on top of that, uh, I think the only thing to just kind of crush it is Luke Cage, which is the Netflix TV show, and that's sitting at 98% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Uh, I didn't know they did Netflix series. Yeah, they do shows now. Is that even equivalent? Uh, No, it isn't. That's why I led with the other two. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying that the only thing out there, superhero-wise, that's fine. I just just didn't know if you could count a series. Because even with Dark Knight and Iron Man, it's still only one point that sets them apart. Um, so it's not even like, it's not, um, okay, I'm not going to make an NBA joke because I, yeah. Just come on. That. Anyway. Okay. Um, also something really big that it did was the Amazons in the movie are played by athletes. Um, so they're played by, um, professional athletes. They're played by, um, workout enthusiasts. Um, they kind of try to get pretty much any, they try to diversify the Amazons and show them all in the majority of different body types, not all, um, and show that the women they actually have doing a lot of their fight scenes are trained women who will crush pretty much all three people on this podcast right now. 
Um, I don't know about all that. Chill out. Artemis will mess you up. I'm a I'm a freak athlete, bro. <laughs> nah, they were pretty they were pretty jacked in the movie. Yeah, so they actually have I could argue with you except with Artemis. I I'm not gonna beat them. Yeah, so She's they have the pretty much the most famous uh female boxer is in the movie as uh one of the Amazons as well. Um so the other part to this is the weight of expectation. So there are pretty much three camps and Wonder Woman the main argument that has been met for, met from the from the female side watching it is uh, male directors get to make really crappy superhero movies all the time. You know, this is, you know, this is an undue burden on a female director having to do a really great job to even get other female movies made. And that is true, but there's a lot packaged into that um, because you also have the weight of the feminist expectation. Is Wonder Woman, because I had this issue with the first trailer, is it going to be a complete story with her own agency? Is there going to be too much romance? How are they going to play Steve Trevor? Is he going to overshadow her? Um, so there was the weight of this feminist expectation for Wonder Woman that she had to live up with. And not only that, you had a lot of, um, I would say the majority of people said that the success of the DC movieverse rested on Wonder Woman's shoulders because of how bad, um, no matter how much money uh, Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad met, uh, made, fan-wise, nobody likes them. Is she going to win an Oscar? Oh, God. Critically, or was it Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad? Uh, but um, all that being said, I would say all three of these expectations were pretty much met and... Uh, thrown out the window because like our mom said she was a badass um the other thing around it was that she's not american enough that was said by some people um because they thought wonder woman was meant to be an american hero and while she was world war ii a uh, war propaganda she was never an american and the only reason her uh outfits reflected americana was because she was either an ambassador, an emissary, or her mom made her her costume because she knew she was going to the United States. Um, so, yeah. That's a that's an unbased claim that I won't support it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, those people know nothing about Wonder Woman. Like, she's literally not even... Like, she's almost, like, not even from this world, almost. There's, like, how foreign she is. Yeah. And she's played by Gal Gadot, who's... Israeli and French. Like, what do you, like, what did you expect? Like, what did you yeah. want? And she, yeah. So it's, yeah. They were also really mad that she had an accent. But, <laughs> yeah. You're never going to please those people with anything. Yeah. So, um, and then the last and final and probably the biggest of the uh, controversies and important things around this movie is the Alamo Drafthouse women-only screenings for Wonder Woman. Um, and that is... A lot of people, or a lot of men, or were not happy with that. I guess I won't say a lot. Very vocal men on the internet were not happy with it. And there is a potential lawsuit against the city of Austin for allowing Alamo Drafthouse to do female-only screenings. Um, and I just think that's complete bull. And I can get into a really long argument about it. But Alamo Drafthouse has stood by its decision and when people kept saying that it was the wrong decision to make not only did they respond very smartly as did our uh our mayor um they 
they also added more screenings. So they added more screenings in different states, and they added another screening here in Austin. Um, Yeah, it's just kind of dumb. Like, they're not seeing it any earlier. Like, it means absolutely nothing. They do women's screenings, like, all the time for, like... Girly night. For girly night movies. Like, it's so, so dumb. I do want... And this is Alamo Jack Faust. This is my formal request for uh, an all-male Thor Ragnarok buddy cop movie showing <laughs> so I can go take the bros and not feel guilty about not taking Stefani. Uh, I thought you were going to talk about WrestleMania, which seemed to be awesome. What? They did WrestleMania where they just played nothing but Kirk Russell oh, movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did WrestleMania. I forgot about that. If you ever want to take all the bros, take them to WrestleMania <laughs> with all your long hair. Yeah. And that's something that, like, Alamo <laughs> Drafthouse pointed out. Like, we do screenings for fans all the time. And I think one of the reasons yeah. that they were really vocal about doing this is, I mean, and Stefani cosplayed Adrian, so I'm sure she's experienced maybe a little bit of this. But when women dress up as superheroes, they get a lot of harassment. Um, and by doing a female-only screen- screening, it allows women to be in an environment where they're not going to be catcalled when they go into the theater or when they're waiting to go into the theater. And you can take your daughter and it can be a really great bonding moment. Um, and people just want to make people not happy. And that's all. Yeah, I generally feel people who are going to Alamo Draft House don't have a problem with this. It's people who don't oh, know yeah. what Alamo Draft House is. Exactly. If you go to Alamo Draft House and you have a problem with this, why do you even go there in the first place? Like you're, I don't you even- have no idea what their values are. I know. I was like, I don't even want your daughter in a movie theater because I don't want kids in the movie theater. Exactly. And Alamo Jackass only lets kids in the movie theater on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's silly. Yeah. Yeah. It is silly. Oh, but yeah. Buddy Cop, all, all boys night, throw a racket rock. Please. So I cannot take Stefani and then not feel guilty about it. <laughs> um, but as much as we think that it is stupid, and I think the majority of people agree with us, Austin is probably getting sued. And nothing's going to so. happen. It'll be tied up. Nah, they're a private company. It's, it's fine. They'll be fine. Um, no, so that's actually the problem is the Austin um, equal opportunity thing extends to private companies um, in oh. a very big way. Because Austin is Come all talk about yeah, they have the, the you're, you're right. They have the equal opportunity to go see another damn exactly. showing of the movie. Get out of here. <laughs> like, I'm sure Alamo Jeff House is filled, filled with showings of Wonder Woman right now. Like, yeah, you cannot go to that one. You'll, you'll be okay. It was one, and then it turned into two out of the many shows. Yeah, like you'll, like you'll be all right. It'll be okay. Like I just want to right. know how much of a butthead are you to put yourself in a space where one, like it's not made for you, and it's made for other people to feel safe, and two, that you are genuinely offended at the fact that women are getting together in an open setting. Like maybe you belong in the forties. I told you. Everybody keeps telling me the 40s were a great time. I'm still confused. <laughs> All right, let's let's wrap it up yeah. so we can talk about uh, so we can go into our bullshit corner. Yeah. So on that note, um, we would love to hear what you think about Wonder Woman. Go ahead and send us an email at info at butwhythopodcast.com and rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It's how other people find us, and we really want your reviews, guys. Please send them. Um, and you can find us at PC on Instagram and Twitter. As always, you can find me personally on at uh, on Twitter at OhMyMcBrandier. Adrian? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. And my mom deserves 
a shout out for her book, Dying to Be Reborn. Go check it out on Amazon. It's really great. And you can see our names in it because we're in it. <laughs> Matt? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, datm18, D-A-T-T-1-8. You can also find me on our YouTube channel at But Why Though Podcast. And also on the um, website at butwhythopodcast.com as I am doing our own little, I guess, behind the scenes slash extended cut of our show called The Other Side of the Wormhole, The Lost Thoughts of the But Why Though Podcast. <laughs> Because obviously we could talk forever about a lot of these things. Yeah, so if you think we missed anything, if you think we made any um, factual errors, go ahead and let us know on our Facebooks, Twitter, and in our email, and Matt will cover it on the other side of the warm. Yeah, I try to just basically correct, get anything we forgot, any other tangent thoughts that I end. Sometimes I might ramble and end up on something totally different, but I think it's all great fun. So, Hera, give us strength, and uh, thanks for listening. You'll learn a lot of stuff. (laughs) Bye-bye.